Welcome to Multiverse Bible, the podcast where we reimagine stories from the Bible for fun and hopefully learn something new about the original stories in the process. The purpose here isn't to rewrite scripture. I believe that the passages we're reimagining are perfect, just the way they are. My name is Reed Smith, and I love the Bible, and I don't think it needs improving. For thousands of years, people have come to the Bible for truth and hope, and I don't want that to change. My only goal is that we might unpack the significance that this ancient text has had on human traditions and continues to have to this very day. The way we go about this is by asking, what if? What if the stories we read in scripture were different, even slightly? How would that change our traditions now? And in what ways would they remain the same? The following story you'll hear isn't based on real events or real people, but it reflects the kind of faith and practices that people might adopt if we had a different Bible. And maybe by asking what if, we grow in appreciation for what is. In this fourth episode, we're asking the question, what if Jesus wasn't crucified? There are numerous occasions in the gospel accounts when the religious leaders, you know, the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, they want to put Jesus to death, but they're never able to on their own. They end up having to get the Romans involved. And that's why Jesus died on a cross. And that's why the cross has become the most famous symbol of Christianity ever since. But what if those religious leaders had been successful in their earlier plots? And what if they had stoned Jesus to death in a similar way to how they planned to stone the adulterous woman from John's gospel? We'll wrestle with what this would mean for the church as we hear the story of a college student wrestling with what it all means for her. So here's episode four, Permanent. The shop only accepted walk-ins on Saturdays. Weekdays were by appointment only. She had her lightest course load on Mondays this semester, so Steph had booked a time with her artist for 10 a.m. She was starting the week off with a new experience, her first tattoo. The storefront was plastered with neon signs, along with posters of inked-up celebrities. Famous for things Steph didn't know, she was clean-cut, a preppy kid from a preppy school, the target patron for artists in a college town. Lots of freshmen got ink over the course of their first semester. It was like a badge of honor, an indelible mark of emergent independence. A nose piercing might have been cheaper, but Steph was an imposter rebel. Any edge she might develop away from mom and dad must be coverable. The concerned party wouldn't notice a long sleeve shirt the same way they'd notice a face mask, for instance. Needles didn't bother Steph. She had a high pain tolerance and scowled at the ubiquitous tattoo question, Did it hurt? It got so old hearing girls in her dorm ask each other this. One girl, Chloe, got a massive piece done on her back. She bragged about almost passing out from it. It took something like 16 hours over the course of four sessions. Steph wasn't interested in the pain of said ordeal. 
She just wondered where Chloe found the time to do all that. They were in a lot of the same classes together, and Steph felt overwhelmed academically. She couldn't imagine taking that much time away from her studies. Not to mention the amount of money it would cost, tip included. Chloe would have spent well over $1,000, and that was a low ball. It was probably double that. Steph researched the going rate for tattoos online. The ink culture seemed to have unspoken rules that you either knew or you didn't, and Steph didn't want to break those rules. She didn't want to be that obnoxious sorority girl cheaping her artist out of those three Greek letters they would always get on their thighs. No. She was going to look as natural as possible and pay her artist to the extent of what this tattoo meant to her. Steph had worked overtime in one of the school's bookstores to do this. And the job was boring and it was tedious. She sold overpriced windbreakers to proud alum and their children. It was soul grating, especially when enough people realized how much cheaper they could buy university merch from third party retailers. No one would come into the store. Steph just earned money by sitting at the ready. She wasn't even allowed to do homework in all the downtime. At this point in the year, the only people in the bookstore were the ones using its vending machines. The vending machines that carried bottled coffee drinks that were Steph's favorite. She sometimes would go up to buy one, but would pause with the sticker shock. One drink was about an hour of her pay. Ridiculous. And she had bigger things on the budget, like this tattoo. And the waiting she had done had now paid off. She showed up at 10 a.m. to the front door of Shark Tooth Body Piercing and Tattoo, ready to get all the minor discomfort her well-earned money could buy. The glass door opened with a ping, and the guy behind the counter at the back of the shop called out, but not to Steph. Yo, Miles, can you answer the phone if it rings? Hey, Miles. A mousy-looking man rolled out from his cubicle on an office chair. Hey, uh, you need something? Miles responded. Dude, take your headphones out for a minute. I'm running out to my car. I need you to cover the front for a minute, all right? I was in the middle of a sketch, man. And you know, I suck on the phone. Why don't you ask Rosie? She ain't doing sh- Because I've got an appointment, that's why. A girl from the booth to the right of Steph pops out all of a sudden. You've been working on that same sketch for like three days now, man. What's the guy want? The freaking Mona Lisa? It's an original, Rosie. You could take a few notes. You might learn some. Hey, friend. Glad you made it today. And it's Rose. Not Rosie. Like this idiot keeps saying. What was your name again? Oh, it's Stephanie. I've got an appointment for 10 a.m. Shoot. A.m.? I thought you meant P.M. Can we reschedule? Steph blankly agreed. Yeah, um, I guess. Sorry. Yeah, I can do that. Chill, dude. I've got you. First one of the morning. I didn't forget. You're getting the wrist piece, right? The little pile of rocks? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Steph laughed off her gullibility. Yeah, I was the one who asked for the cairn. Right, the pile of rocks. No problem. 
I oh, and I printed out the picture of how I want it to look just in case I didn't know. I thought it might be helpful. Dude, it's the same one on the file you emailed me when you came in earlier, right? Yeah, it is. I just didn't know if you needed it printed out or something. The look on Rose's eyes made Steph's throat dry. You're precious, but I probably didn't even need to look at the JPEG you sent me. We do lots of Karens here. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Steph tried to play along, even though she secretly wanted to correct Rose's pronunciation. It was Karen, not Karen. It's the symbol of Christianity, not the name of some middle-aged mom. Stephanie... I'm going to head back to my booth to get a few things ready. Why don't you head on up to Randy, and he'll get you to fill out some paperwork. Nah, Rose. I've got to head out to my car first. Just have her sit tight for me. I'll be back. Rose cussed him out, and Randy returned the favor back. The words they spoke were playfully hateful. Miles had already rolled back into his cave, furiously scribbling away at his Mona Lisa. Steph pulled out her phone to kill some time. The gallery of pictures from her classmates all had the same vibe about them on her newsfeed. Everyone trying to be different in order to stick out. They all ended up as copies of each other. What an ironic observation to have in a tattoo shop. The visual stimuli inside the shop was catchier than what was on social media. Steph perused the booth walls the artist used to prop up their showpieces. One booth was entirely Japanese-inspired. Koi fish, tigers, warriors, and maidens, pale and fearsome. Next door, the booth was adorned with movie characters and comic book heroes, many of whom were caricatures of the original designs. Massive heads on tiny bodies and other shocking distortions. Another booth was all basic tattoos. The traditional fare and some tribal artwork. Steph noticed a candy machine adjacent to this one. The kind you crank your quarter through for a waxy gumball. Between the expletives, the piece of paper taped to its plastic read, $50 tattoos for 25 cents. One crank only, you get what you get. Steph peeked inside the clear box to see some of the options. What were the odds that they had a design similar to hers in there? She could have saved some hours wasted in the bookstore if she just got a lucky crank. Her peek didn't reveal any cairns. Mostly, the little sketches within were filler pieces. A generic flower, teddy bears, four-leaf clovers, a heart, crescent moon. Not her scene. The candy machine was half empty by the looks of it. It must be a relatively successful gimmick, she reasons. In the middle of the shop are couches with coffee tables between them. Steph sat down and reached for one of the black binders resting on top. She learned in her first visit to Sharktooth that these were called flashes. She opened one up, but closed it in a hurry. Not the kind of images she wanted to be stuck with for the next few hours. There were several more, but Steph reached for roses. The binder that convinced her to make her appointment in the first place. Rose's flashes were a parade of beautiful things. There was something exquisite about the simplicity of it all. 
Most of Rose's work didn't even include much color, but its subtlety was its strength. Steph marveled at the geometric patterns layered elegantly. There were hundreds of images to indulge in here. None of the pictures revealed the customers' faces, but Steph imagined them smiling, or maybe even crying joyfully. Lots of the tattoos Rose had here were sentimental in nature. The signature of a dead relative, the footprints of a newborn, the skyline of someone's beloved hometown. Steph was confident she had made the right choice. She flipped back to the beginning of the flashes to enjoy them more when the shop door pinged open again. Impulsively, Steph began to get up, but realized it wasn't Randy. A college-aged-looking guy walked in. He approached the desk confidently and leaned over to check if he could get some service. The phone rang. He clicked his tongue against the roof of his mouth in rhythm to the rings. Somebody gonna get that? Steph heard Rose yell from inside her cubicle. Don't worry, I've got it, the new customer said in a low, sarcastic voice. He looked at Steph for reassurance for his attempt at humor. She didn't smile back much. The toughness of Rose was infectious for a goody-goody like Steph. I swear, good help is hard to find. Randy was back, and he swore some more, returning to his place at the register. Can I help you? He asked the newcomer curtly. Absolutely. You can help my friend. She got here before me, and she's getting her first tattoo today. She's thinking about chickening out. Make her spend a bunch of money so she won't. Randy didn't smile at this either. He ignored the guy and motioned over to Steph. I've got some paperwork for you here. He handed Steph a few pages stapled together. It was on carbon paper, the kind they kept in that unopened drawer at the bookstore. It was less efficient and more expensive than modern receipt printers, but Steph thought it was cool. The papers came on a clipboard. There was a pen attached by fishing line. Fill it out and bring it back with some ID and the rest of the cash you owe after your deposit. Then you should be good to go. Thanks. Steph's gratitude was a perpetual knee-jerk. She would probably say thank you if Randy asked her to go out to the car and get him more tissues to blow his nose. He clearly had sinus issues with his stuffed-up voice and sniffling. It made sense that he left the sanitary space to take care of his mess. Germs and the appearance of germs are surely bad for any business with a health inspection score by the cash register. The shop was a high A. Steph hadn't noticed this before, and it calmed some of her butterflies. She would beat herself up for anything less than a 4.0, so she was glad that Sharktooth had standards. The forums asked for her full name and other particulars, driver's license number, her emergency contact info, the works. What had her attention, though, was the cavalier attitude of this other customer. He was a real charmer, this one. No doubt has an appointment with Miles, or maybe with the artist in charge of the candy machine. He discussed terms with Randy and received paperwork of his own. Soon he joined Steph over at the couches. Hey, I just wanted to say, for the record, that I'm a great liar, because I wouldn't be caught dead as a friend to a cabbage like yourself. 
He was, of course, referring to the pejorative nickname associated with her college's old mascot. It was a long shot to dig up antiquated football rivalries with 19-year-old girls, but she had grown up with brothers, paired with the expertise she gained from restocking the retro section of the bookstore merchandise. She understood the quip. How did you know? She asks. Your parking decal gave you away. What's a pretty girl like you doing over at State, anyway? You must be lost over there. Seriously, who was this guy, and why wasn't he headed over to the mercantile to buy himself a licorice whip with a whole dime? Wouldn't that be keen? This dude's tactics weren't novel, like carbon paper. They were just annoying. Steph wouldn't ingratiate his flirtation with a response. She picked up a black binder, unaffected by even the most profane sketches inside. It was a welcome distraction from his bothersome ways. His body language definitely shifted. He kept his nose down to the flashes on his own binder. Okay, I'll level with you. I don't have some sort of condition, and I'm not a creep. I'm just nervous, and I talk a lot when I'm nervous, so my bad. I'm a total idiot. Just ignore me. I'm an idiot. Needles kind of freak me out. I'm just, hey, it's cool, man. No harm, no foul. Steph went from disgust to pity quicker than she cared to admit. I'm Steph. I do go to state, so yeah, go cabbages. Oh, right on. He braved conversation again. I'm Brian. I'm a freshman at the community college here in the county, so, you know, I'll work for you someday. Hey, Brian, it's nice to meet you. Steph wanted to save him another nervous tirade. You getting ink today? She asked. Apparently not, he said. Didn't make an appointment? Nope. It happens. Yeah, you know, I made the same mistake when I first came in a while back. I didn't realize that you could only do walk-ins on Saturdays. Steph lied, hoping to make him feel better. It was her typical reaction to the absent-minded Brians of the world. She felt the need to be parental, even to strangers. Even to annoying strangers. Steph was an underachiever's dream. Get assigned with her for a group project, and you were guaranteed a ticket on the gravy train. All aboard to an easy A, first-class seats. At least I can spend some time figuring out what I want and who I want to put it on me. This whole thing was kind of an impulse buy anyway. Maybe I've lucked out and having to wait a bit. Maybe save me getting something I regret. Hmm. What are you getting? Nothing she'll regret. Rose again appeared suddenly from her cubicle. You all done with that stuff? I am, she said gleefully, knowing that it was almost time to get started. Steph handed her completed forms back to Randy. She paid the rest of the amount, slightly apprehensive about paying in full before acquiring the finished product. What am I supposed to do if I don't like it? She had thought to herself in the days leading up. Am I just supposed to get it covered up by something else? I've heard the tattoo removal process would be something even Chloe and her massive back piece would shed a tear over. Permanence fades with gritted teeth, she'd been told. Enough. Steph put her foot down on her own misgivings. She wanted this. She had worked for it. It mattered. This was not just some passing whim. It was absolutely not an impulse buy. This tattoo 
meant something to her. It wasn't just because it looked cool. It wasn't just because she wanted to fit in. It didn't matter if it was even perfect looking. Although Rose's work was fantastic. The tattoo was a stake in the ground. The tattoo was a line in the sand, or skin. And Steph believed that there was something out there in this life bigger than all of this. Bigger than college, bigger than her future career goals, bigger than anything. And really, it was someone. A person she had come to know and even to love. Someone who loved her. Someone who died for her. In the most brutal way known to man. And beyond all of her fears and ambitions, she had found something in this person worth living for. And the ink would be on her wrist as a reminder for the rest of her life. Just like the commitment she made to follow after the way of the crushed Messiah. Now, it was easy to remember all of this theological-sounding language in the moment. Steph was a church kid at heart. And the wholesome image she upheld wasn't to be cute. It was really who she was. She was a good girl. But none of all of that would mean much if she left a lousy tip for Rose. So before anything happened, she made sure to go over to withdraw an extra $40 from the ATM just to be safe. Hey, you can come on in and have a seat. Then the fun can start. Rose winked at Brian then closed the door behind them. Steph wondered how the goofball would do. Surely later on he would try to make an appointment with Rose, if not for her artwork, then for a chance to barrage her with his nervous flirting tick. So make yourself at home, Rose said. The tattoo chair was already in a reclined position. Steph eased herself into it, careful not to lean too far back. The desire to impress Rose came back. Steph had a closer look now at her artist's own body art, taking in the masterpieces that comprised Rose's full sleeves and neck. With a rubber-gloved hand, Rose took a disposable razor to gently shave any peach fuzz on Steph's wrist. It was a weird sensation. Rose proceeded to rub down the spot with a sweet-smelling disinfectant wipe. Next up was the most important step, save the actual line work, the stencil. Rose gingerly laid a blue outline of the picture Steph had sent her directly on her skin. She placed it perfectly center. Steph figured that she'd have to try at least ten times to get that right on her own, but Rose was a master of her craft. She pushed down on the now moistened outline, waited, and then lifted up. All right, tell me how you feel about the placement. Work for you? There was a widthways mirror at the back end of the cubicle. Steph raised her forearm to see the outline of what would momentarily become a permanent part of her. I love it, she said. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, get comfortable on the chair. Again, this shouldn't take too long. Steph reclined again with her wrist in Rose's hand. The tattoo gun clicked with the sound of electric shears. Rose dabbed the tip in black ink. The needle didn't look like Steph had imagined. Needle wasn't really accurate, was it? This wasn't like giving blood. The tattoo's gunpoint was comprised of needles, plural. 
what looked like five or six sharp points forming a tight circle. With the speed that they oscillated, it merely appeared to be one needle, and they were headed for Steph's awaiting skin. Pinch. That was the sensation. A hot pinch, like scratching an itch with sunburn. It was uncomfortable, but that is all. No biting of her lip, no ouches or owls, just discomfort. Rose was engrossed in her work, with strokes back and forth to trace a clean line deep enough to stick. There was a small flat screen playing a true crime documentary on Rose's countertop. It was muted, but Steph discerned it was about a cold case from the 80s. The program went to commercial. One of the ones that looked like a college freshman threw it together the night before. If you or a loved one has suffered the adverse effects from smoking silver brand cigarettes, you may be entitled for compensation. Call the number below, toll free. It wasn't as engaging as watching her tattoo come into fruition, so Steph kept her eyes fixed on the procedure at hand. She wasn't quite sure about talking to Rose. Steph didn't like getting interrupted in the midst of her homework, and that was with a pencil on paper, not a hot needle and flesh. She kept her comments to herself. But Rose spoke up. It had been 20 minutes or so, and the outline was done. Nice. Now it's time for the shader. Rose put on a new pair of disposable gloves and retrieved a slightly louder-sounding tattoo gun from her counter. She dipped the end in a lighter gray ink. Do you need to take a break or anything? Rose asked. You can keep going. It doesn't really hurt. I'll tell you what, there's some people who come in here who are literally addicted to the process, let alone the product. Steph wondered if this was the case with Rose, given her own vast array of ink. Wow, I never thought of that. So why the pile of rocks then? Rose interrupted. I do these all the time. I feel like I could trace it in my sleep. No offense, this one is cool. It looks a little different than several of the ones I've done. It's just kind of common, that's all. Oh, it's no problem. It just means a lot because of my religion and stuff. Steph initially balked at the idea of evangelizing to a captive audience. It kind of felt like proselytizing on an airplane. Something about it just didn't feel genuine or even that Christ-like. But Rose was asking the questions. So Steph decided to answer as fully as she could. Maybe this was a good time for Rose to hear. Do you know what the Karen is? Do I know what the Karen is? Are you serious? I was born at night, not last night. Rose mispronounced, then quipped. Okay, sweet. Uh, do you go to church? Steph felt ridiculous as soon as she blurted out her question. It was way too simplistic, way too black and white. She should have taken the conversation through the shallow end of the pool first, probably. Rose responded. Church? No. Not for me. My skin would probably burn if I stepped foot inside. I mean, <laughs> look at me. Do you think I would go to church? Seriously, me? Steph understood her humor, but still pondered on what a waste that would be. All that beautiful artwork burning up. What a crazy thought. But why would she even think that to begin with? Why do you say that? Steph asked, trying to keep the conversation going. Rose was still asking questions. I don't see why not. Well, let me tell you, Stephanie. 
there've been people who have seen why not <laughs> to have me in church and they've made sure to let me know why not again and again. Well, that's awful. I'm really sorry. That wasn't, that wasn't right. Ah, it's whatever. I was probably going to hell anyway, so who cares, right? Say la vie, carpe diem, whatever. I'm doing my thing. I'm happy enough. I'm making do. And all the days of someone's life, they're just a handful of images that end up sticking out the most. If Steph's life was a binder with flashes from her past decorating the pages, this moment now would be a showstopper. Steph didn't know the full story of Rose, but all she could see was a beautiful, talented woman, not even much older than her, illustrating a permanent reminder of salvation that she couldn't have, or wouldn't take, or more likely was driven away from by others who didn't deem her worthy. So why John 14.6? Why not John 3.16? Isn't that the verse everybody gets? I mean, I don't care. It's your ink, but like, I'm just curious and stuff. Steph answered, Yeah, John 14, 6 is a quote from Jesus where he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The whole idea behind the cairn is that they're like signs pointing the right direction on a journey. It's like an ancient Christian symbol that the church has used forever. That's why the first followers of Jesus were called the way. Seriously, that sounds pretty culty, but hey, I'm not here to hate. (laughs) And you know, it's kind of cool. Rose chuckled as she continued the pinching sensation on Steph's arm. Every so often she'd wipe the tattoo off. It was coming together exactly as Steph had dreamed. It's weird to me that Christian people, I mean, people of the way, get tattoos like this, Rose said tongue in cheek. I mean, If that dude was killed by like a sword or a nunchuck, you'd be here getting that on your wrist. Sorry, it's just funny imagining that. No, I I totally agree. This was an astute observation that Steph had never really considered. Yeah, Jesus was stoned to death because it was prophesied that he would be crushed for our iniquities. The leaders of Jerusalem were supposed to let the Romans kill Jesus, but they formed a mob and stoned him to death outside of the city. Right, 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 right. I remember those Easter performances growing up at church. They always used little paper balls, spray-painted gray. Not exactly historically accurate, right? No, no, not at all. The stones would have been big and heavy. There would have been a lot of them. The whole execution process would have killed victims and buried them all at the same time. Yeah, but like the stones rolled away. Rose's tone was less mocking and more reflective on an old preacher's cadence during those Easter Sundays long ago. Yeah, you're right. That's the whole reason why Christian people put cairns outside of our buildings. That's why we get them tattooed on our wrists. Steph smiled. Man, if Jesus were executed today, in the future people would get like electric chairs or lethal injections tattooed on them, right? Steph thought this was pretty funny and made sure not to laugh too hard so as to mess up Rose's line work. Kind of a weird thing to laugh at, but Rose was sharp-witted. And it was a fascinating suggestion. More for the fact on how Rose said it. 
She said, we would get tattoos of electric chairs and lethal injections. We would. That stuck out to Steph. You know, I remember looking at stuff online about Jesus' death, and you mentioned prophecy. I thought it said that none of his bones were supposed to be broken or something. How does that hole up with the whole crushed Messiah thing? Steph wasn't at all prepared for apologetics today, so she just answered with the proverbial, um, you know what, I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah, 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 maybe at your next appointment, Rose winked. Okay, hey, you're all done here. Check it out. How's it look? Steph looked at her tattoo again in the mirror. It was shiny and slightly raised. It was a pile of rocks, a black and gray cairn with a Bible verse underneath. But it was so much more. It was a reminder of forgiveness of sin and blessed assurance. It was a challenge and a conviction that he without sin never actually cast a stone, but rather allowed himself to be crushed under the stones of all of us sinners. But the stones did roll away. Jesus did rise again. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's good news. It's the best news. It also was a burden to carry. She was supposed to follow her Savior. And that didn't mean playing it safe. That meant following Jesus outside of the city walls where there might be a target on your own head. Nothing else mattered right now. The tattoos lesson had worked. Steph liked it because it looked cool, but she wasn't going to waste the courage it was giving her. Maybe Rose was busy. Maybe she wanted to be done with Steph and move on with her day, maybe. But this courage could be something real. And maybe the pull Steph felt was more than just emotions, more than just guilt. Maybe it was God. Maybe the way she was supposed to follow this crushed Messiah was the way back into the cubicle where the flat screen played true crime documentaries. Hey, Rose. Yo, what's up? Is everything good? Totally. It's, it's amazing. Your work is amazing. Listen, you, you can say no if you want. I promise I'm not one of those pushy people I just, I just really feel led by God to ask you something. Rose took off her gloves and squinted into Steph's eyes. Rose, would it be okay if I prayed for you before I left? The phone was ringing on and on. Neither Miles or Randy was there to answer. Brian was right where Steph had left him, glued to the binders, trying to make his selection. Rose was quiet for what felt like forever, but then she smiled but only with her eyes. You know what? Sure. That, that would be nice. Steph closed the door to the cubicle behind her. The noise of the phone was still there, but it faded into the background as Steph went before God on behalf of her artist. Steph kept things short. She wasn't trying to cram for any test. She was just trying to be faithful in the moment. Maybe God would give her more. Maybe any seeds she had planted would sprout and grow tall in Rose's heart. Maybe. Hopefully. Steph said amen, giving Rose a hug 
but was careful not to brush her wrist against anything. It was a good thing that God convicted her to go back to pray for Rose, because Steph had also forgotten to leave her tip. I hope this story was thought-provoking, and that by asking what if, you've grown to appreciate what is already in Scripture. If people like this concept of the multiverse Bible and the kinds of stories it's telling, I'll produce more of these. But I can't do it alone. I'll need your help. If this is a project you're looking to see continue, like it, follow it, spread the word about it. Also, I'm always interested in more ideas, more what-ifs. If you have one in mind, please share it with me by emailing the idea to readreads101 at gmail.com. Again, that is readreads101 at gmail.com. I know it's a cheesy email address, but you gotta admit, it's catchy. Thanks for listening. God bless. Thank you.